Hello, and welcome to the latest Construction Insider podcast, where we bring construction firms the strategies and tactics they need to succeed. I'm with our host, Brent Chambers, Executive Vice President of Capital Plus Construction Services, and we have special guests with us today, Michael Beaver. Michael is with Conway McKenzie. They are part of Riveron and a turnaround and business advisory firm. He has significant experience operating in financially distressed environments and specializes in providing liquidity management, financial modeling, strategic planning, turnaround, and operational management services. Over his career, he has held a variety of management positions across several companies in the construction and engineering industries. Brett and Michael will be discussing the pandemic's impact on the construction environment and strategies for the future. So Brent, I'll turn it over to you. Well, good morning, Lisa, and thank you for the introduction. Glad to be back here again on this episode of the Construction Inside podcast. So I want to welcome Michael to the show, Michael Beaver. First things first, as a little bit of a background here, I've known Michael for about two years now. I think, Michael, I think you and I met at a turnaround event in Asheville, North Carolina. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. And since then, we've worked together on a few deals and But more recently, I read an article that Michael wrote called Adapting to the Lower Margin Environment. And by environment, it speaks of the COVID and probably more more of the post-COVID environment and prolonged impacts or potentially prolonged impacts to the construction industry. I must say it was a great article. It was an excellent read. But Michael, when I read it, I immediately knew I needed to see if I could get you as a guest on the podcast so you could explain to our audience exactly what this means and and hopefully help the audience, the contractors out there to avoid any of the upcoming traps. So again, thank you for joining me here today. All right. So before we dive into the, you know, into the topic at hand, Michael, one of the things that makes you such an excellent guest and an expert on today's topic is that you not not only worked as a turnaround manager or turnaround consultant, you've also been a financial manager in your past in the construction space with a couple of firms. So what I'd like for you to do is take a moment and just tell the audience a little bit about your background and what it means to be, and I call you a turnaround guy. What does that mean? So a turnaround guy, I like to say we fix problems. So we fix problems. It could be from working with lenders to get out of troubled credits, or primarily we're working with troubled companies to fix them and kind of get them back on the the path forward. And what I would say is that you typically can't fix everybody, but we've had a pretty good track record, and it just depends on the severity of of what needs to be done. I've been a in this space for as a turnaround consultant for about 10 years now. I've worked on over 40 different contractors, anywhere from fixing them and working side by side with management through liquidity management, through process improvement. You know, I can uh, go into prior to that, as, as you mentioned, I actually did work for two companies that had problems worked at two contractors that one got caught up in the housing crisis and one just had a couple problem projects. And sometimes at a contractor, that is all that it takes is a problem project and and the company can go sideways and a project can be like a falling knife that you're trying to catch. And uh, in both of those situations, 
you know, Conley McKenzie, who I work for now, was actually involved in it. My boss, Michael Carrera, saw a skill set in me and said, come join the team and join our uh, engineering and uh, construction practice and grow that vertical. So that's where I've been for the last 10 years. Well, I know they're glad to have you. Um, you know, having worked on 40 different contractors trying to right the ship, but also something I always tell folks who have worked for me for the many years, you learn more from the things that go wrong than you you do from the things that go right. So you learn from that and and you turn that into a trade. So that's excellent. So, Michael, I want to lay the kind of the groundwork for our discussion now, we we now know that the COVID impact has impacted everyone in the nation, hell, for that matter, everyone in the world. But for the construction industry, there were many impacts, and some of those included immediate impacts to the jobs uh, due to labor issues. Employees were catching the COVID virus, and they couldn't come to work, and then people were being quarantined, and, and jobs were shut down temporarily. And Another impact, uh, there were and still are impacts to the supply chain, which is is a major issue in the construction industry. And there were and there remain impacts to this day to contractors' backlog due to project delays or worse, you know, projects being, being shelved or canceled for a variety of reasons. Now, I've discussed all of these impacts on prior podcasts and blogs and and a lot of our audience has, has heard that, so we won't discuss that here. But despite all of these impacts, according to the article that you wrote, again, adapting to the lower margin environment, you feel that the biggest impacts are or may be yet to come. And this impact is eroding margins for these contractors. So can you describe for the audience what uh, this impact is and why construction firms should be concerned? Yeah, absolutely. So... It goes back to a fundamental skill that we learned in college, supply and demand. And you mentioned a minute ago about supply on materials and things like that, but supply and demand just on projects alone. You know, we've got a lot of companies out there, both private, you also have public municipalities that may have suppressed tax income due to fuel tax collections sales tax collections, all kinds of inputs that municipalities get, other businesses that maybe they have revenues down. Well, CapEx spend ultimately could be tightened. And what that is going to do is reduce the supply of projects, the amount of projects that are being released out there for contractors to bid on could ultimately contract. We're seeing some of that now. There's been a lot of discussions out there, but I think it continue until more people get confidence. And when I talk about the other side of it, supply and demand, well, the demand's the contractor side. You have contractors who have been working through backlog in 2020, so they didn't really feel as much of an impact because they had beefed up backlog. Well, now as backlog starting to dwindle and you can read about from uh, the Association of Builders and Contractors that publish every every month that contractors' backlog is starting to decline a little bit. And therefore, they're going to be chasing projects. You know, to get that backlog up, one of the things that contractors sit there and look at is, I've got teams, i got crews, i got to keep them busy, uh, so i got to keep them working. And so if you've got less projects out there and more 
contractors bidding on, on less projects, people uh, get competitive. In some sense, people get stupid and they take pricing down. And that could be, you know, I think that is where things are going to actually happen in the short term. I'm seeing some compression now on on bid pricing through with a couple of my clients that they're saying, look, we've got to get aggressive here. Some people are getting aggressive. What's funny about it is you've got pricing coming down on projects just because of short, smaller, less projects out there from a supply perspective. But then the contractor has input costs that are increasing. Material pricing going up, labor force going up. So you're ultimately going to see if I'm taking my price down so I can be competitive because ultimately the end user wants a lower project bill and I got high input cost, the squeeze is the margin. I have a concern that that's going to continue to happen here throughout 2021 until we can get a leveling on on supply and demand with projects being out there in the market. So let's talk uh, just a moment here about backlog. And I'm assuming that most people in the audience understand what backlog is, but um, for this, others that might be listening to the podcast, backlog in, in any in any company are the projects that you actually have under contract. And that includes unstarted and unfinished projects. So, and there's a lot of discussion, you know, in businesses about uh, soft backlog and soft backlog are things that are in the pipeline that you know, have a high probability of winning. But at the end of the day, all of that was somewhat eroded due to, to COVID and all the impacts that, that we've talked about. You know, a lot of the institutional investors, uh, financers, when COVID hit and there was so much uncertainty in the market, everybody just kind of, they froze. And so projects were put on hold. Now, so let's talk, uh, get into a little more detail on, on backlog. Now, in my, you know, my old world, and I always say this on the podcast, you know, I, I ran engineering construction firms for 30 some years and backlog was, it's a barometer to the health of a business. And it's quite frankly, something that we looked at in my businesses and people that work for me every month. But I always desired to have 18 months of backlog. And, and you know, some folks want to say, why 18 months? Well, because I have lead times from the time an RFP comes out to a project being kicked off and executed. That could be a year and a half, two years. And anything less than 12, you know, in my opinion, needed some really, you know, serious attention. So, in the construction, the commercial construction space, how does that compare? What kind of backlog should they want or need? Because that's what's driving people to bid lower and it's impacting margins. What kind of backlog do they need? It does depend on really your average duration that your projects are. So as you know, contractors are all different sizes. You've got large publicly traded GCs that got five-year-long projects, you know, mega projects, a couple billion dollars. Then you have contractors that their typical turn of a project may be three to six months. So having a set number of years really depends on the, on the size of the size of your business. Now that, well it's that in your burn rate, right? Correct. 
And that's exactly right. It, it is around your burn rate. And it's funny, you, you may have said the desired for you is 18 months. I mean, if you look in right now at the Associated Builders and Contractors website in May, the average backlog is 7.9 months. That's way below, you know, a 12 or an 18-month target. So what I always look at with clients on backlog is more focused on that burn rate is I'm going to work with them to go, okay, I got a set of projects. How long is those projects going to burn off over the next several months? And what size business is that giving me? And do I have holes as those projects burn off? And then I can determine from there what size company we want to be. And then that's where you really need to determine who you are. You mentioned about projects being on hold, which a lot of that took place in 2020. Either ones already started or ones that are in somebody's backlog, they may have gotten the contract, but they haven't started it yet. Well, just if that job gets turned back on, you as a contractor may not even want the job at this point. You priced it back in 2019, 2018. And material pricing is through the roof at this point. I mean, it's up 50% year to date for lumber alone. So you may have a project that's been on hold. Now it's coming back, you know, and you've been carrying it as backlog. Well, you may not ever even want to work on that project. It may go back out to bid. So I like to work with companies to go, look, let's look at what you have actually being worked on today. Let's burn that off by month from the cost perspective. And then let's right size your business for that. And then let's look at the environment that you're playing in right now, because every type of contractor is different. You know, if you're a water wastewater contractor right now, there's a lot of projects out there. If you're a residential guy, that same thing. You know, if you, you focus on the healthcare space, there may be work out there that you're ultimately adding to it. But if you're a non-residential vertical construction person, probably in the next two to three years, is, there's not a lot of work out there to bid. You're going to work through your backlog. And the question is, how long can you extend your backlog? You know, are, uh, are your customers okay if you slow the project spend? Well, if you do that, you still need to, at the end of the day, right-size your business to fit what size you want you can be in the current market. I hear that, and I recognize that, and absolutely buy into it. But the folks like yourself at very high level can can see the crystal ball very clearly. But it's it's a different situation for the contractor in that he spent sometimes years trying to develop and cultivate clients. And because you don't want to go out and work for just anybody, you don't know what do they pay, you know, just will they work with you? Because some GCs can be tough. So they they work really hard to cultivate these clients and to say that I need to not do that job because it it was bid in 2019 and now in 2020, 2021, cost of supplies are up. How do these contractors balance looking through a clear crystal ball, which you're able to do at that very high level, and where the rubber meets the pavement, 
trying to keep these contractors and do the jobs without doing it for free. I mean, people right now are, as you said, this issue is occurring because backlogs are dwindling. They're buying business. And that buying that business, especially when things rebound, now when you should be out there getting contracts that they're giving you good margins, you've got gold contracts that you bought just to keep your employees busy. How do they balance that? That is the balancing act. It is understanding what I can run, what minimum levels, because you don't want to fill up your capacity in a low margin environment. If you think back to the housing crisis that took place, 07, 08, 09, and all of a sudden projects and supply just stopped and there were no projects. Well, people chased work really down to, I think, you know, around 2011. And then all of a sudden projects started turning around and work grow 2012, 13, 14. And when we had our uptrend, well, the contractors that, you know, kind of filled up the entire pipeline never got to capture a lot of that rebound, but it was the contractors that contracted their business maybe. And that is a delicate balance because you're contracting you still want to make sure you're keeping your top top crews so you can't cut too deep but but it is a balance and it goes down to looking at what projects you have and really fine tuning what the spend is going to be during the low period and then picking and choosing which which projects to go after And yes, you do have customer relationships that you've got to balance. But if you've got customers, either it being a end user or if it's a GC, if you're a sub, if you truly have a partnership relationship with those customers, then that's where you can negotiate some escalation and some improvement. You don't want to be in a just a low price environment, you want to try to work something where you can get some negotiated pricing, even if it's not as high of a margin as you want. But it is a balance. I'm not going to lie to anybody. It is a very tough balance that you've got to really understand what the cost of your business is so you can understand what work and how your work is going to burn off. Yeah, you're right. And you talk about negotiating with your clients. And I think the one thing that, and don't want to harp on this, but, you know, a lot of contractors need to look at what's occurring now. Nobody ever thought this would happen. And nobody ever thinks there's going to be springs where you get three times the rain that impacts your projects. Everybody needs to take a lesson from this and start to look harder at their contracts and certain clauses and make sure they have the rights when things occur that are outside their control. And in this case, anybody's control that they have the right to go back in and and renegotiate without being in default. So it's it's just something to take away at this moment. But now one of the things in, in the article that caught my eye, you say that in tough times, construction firms that choose to reinvent themselves will stand a better chance of not only survival, but success. So describe reinventing yourself in this situation. So it's providing a value add to a customer. Maybe it is, why are they picking you? Maybe you can do the work with better quality, less rework. 
maybe you have a new technology that you can implement in the project to make the site conditions safer, better, the project to be executed. Maybe you have a technology on how to build something to have less quality issues down the road. Inventing yourself to be something that sets you apart from everybody else. If you're going to be a contractor that's going to just race to the bottom, you need to think about, is that the right strategy? And I would recommend that's not. At that point, you're just trying to then shrink and make yourself smaller. But it's how can you be different so you can set and command a better price and not have to chase to the bottom? Well, you know, there are, and, and worse, you know, we're in the finance business in construction and we see, I mean, I talk to three or four or five contractors a day and I will often, well, you know, back up in my business, the biggest threat for us in financing is fraud. And then it's non-performance because non-performance means that the GCs end up stopping payment, clawing back or don't pay. But I see so many contractors that are out there that they're on this race to the bottom to, you know, people always say be faster, better, cheaper. We'll be faster and better, but cheaper isn't the right answer. But they do this. And then when they do this, they are hesitant to control their cost and they'll keep their payroll because they don't think they can lose anybody. And ultimately, I'm looking at companies that that are losing money their backlogs are looking fairly good, but they're losing money. And then their cash flow is in a mess. And so really two parts to that particular, I guess, you know, baseline. How should contractors manage costs if they are buying business? What can they do to control costs across the board? When they're buying a business? Yeah, they're they're in that race to the bottom. They're buying business. They're buying projects and their their margins aren't there, but they need to be controlling their costs. Oh yeah. You're gonna have to as sad as this is, you're gonna have to cut cut overhead. You're gonna have to on your end defer CapEx. You're gonna have to strength the spend. You know, if your executive teams may have to take pay cuts, may have to reduce their take home, all of those things just to keep the the cost structure of your business down, unless there's an alternative, which is finding a more efficient way to execute the work. If you can find a better way to execute the work and gain efficiencies, you can ultimately reduce some cost of the work that way. Exactly. What they don't think about, I mean, most, you have global businesses, you have international and you have, you have companies that work regionally. The ones that work regionally in in these metropolitan areas, they run every project like it was a singular project. When they need to be bundling those projects, they need to be looking at the schedules and moving labor around from project to project and not just allowing labor to sit on the project waiting for something to occur. So there's there's efficiencies to be had if they can they can just take the time to look at it and plan it. So yeah. Can I get better pricing if I buy if I buy materials for multiple projects at once? Exactly. So those are things that it's coming up with creative ways to be more efficient in the field. All right. So I'm going to kind of distill this down. It's clear through these discussions that you feel that the pain from COVID may just be getting started for the construction contractors. And more specifically, you believe that 
many are inclined to get in a race to the bottom on pricing while they maintain that backlog. And running this race ultimately means erosion of the margins, as your article says. So if you're right, and Michael, I believe you're right, uh, I see the same things. If you had two or three things that you could say you must do, what advice are you going to give to these contractors? Plan. Plan on what the what your burn off of your existing backlog. I can't stress that enough. And is your current backlog going to consume cash or generate cash? We've talked a lot today, Brent, about margin and revenue and burning of a backlog. But as you know, in we've got in the, the industry this funny thing called are you overbuilt or are you underbuilt? Well, it's it's also have you financed the first part of the jobs or have you overbuilt it and therefore it's gonna you're gonna consume cash to finish existing projects. That's really gonna dictate how aggressive you can be or not be on project selection because cash is king. And if your current backlog is gonna consume cash to finish it, you're gonna be in a different spot than if you have as you're finishing your backlog, you're generating cash. Yeah, great advice. Uh, Great advice. And when your margins are depleted, your cash flow is, it without a doubt, is going to be impacted. Even if you're making good decisions, you know, managing your costs, planning, because you're right, cash is king. I met a customer yesterday here in the office, and it's the first time in many years I heard a customer tell me that, that cash was king and was good to hear. Well, Michael, we we try to keep these things to under 30 minutes. I have to tell you, the article was great. I would recommend that, uh, you know, anybody who hasn't, uh, hasn't read it do that. And I would also tell the audience that, you know, I've worked with you and it's not clear to them that you understand the construction business. From this, I can tell the audience you're you're a great turnaround guy and the, the you know companies out there that that may be in distress or looking for somebody to help them kind of uh, kind of recast to where they're headed you're a great guy to to reach out to and they can reach out to you get to you through www.conwaymckenzie.com so michael it was it was great having you and um i would love to ask you to be prepared to come back someday because you're well versed in construction I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Brent, it's always fun to catch up and have a a great conversation with you. Absolutely. To our audience, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Brent and Mike. We appreciate your insight and your time today. It was a great podcast. If listeners would like more information, they can reach Brent at capitalplus.com. If you would like to reach out to Mike, you can reach him at conwaymckenzie.com. So thanks again for listening to this episode of Construction Insider. And if you found our podcast helpful, check out our entire library on our website at capitalplus.com. Until next time, be well and thanks again for listening.